Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Okay, I'm recording. Okay, everybody. Yes. I was talking about your dating experience. Um, okay, thank you. Sure. Thank you. Okay, am I in the... Yeah, yes. Okay, perfect. Okay. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Bar Hashem. Tonight is our kickoff for our yearly life skill series. So this is one of the big favorites. Um, this is the series where we integrate the living aspect of living chassidus. This is where we bring speakers that give us life skills and we are able to get into life and not have to say, I wish somebody would have told me. So we discuss all kinds of topics from women's health, pregnancy to postpartum. We discuss finances. We discuss all kinds of wonderful topics. And, um, and this is our kickoff. So I'm very excited to start a whole new series with everybody. Um, I also want to thank all of our High Club members, everybody that gives a monthly donation to Living Chassidus that makes all of this happen. Yay! Shout out to all of you. Um, if you'd like to join High Club, it's very easy and simple. You choose a certain amount, you put it into our website and select make monthly donation. And it just does it monthly every, every time that day of the month reaches. So it's really easy and simple to support Living Chassidus. And we're so grateful for everyone who does. Um, we're also very grateful for the people that speak for us because you guys are the ones that make this information be able to be spread and this information be able to be shared with all kinds of people. There's talks from on our YouTube channel on our playlist called Life Skill Series from all the previous years. So you guys can go and learn and re-listen and learn again and enjoy it again and then reach a new level in life and say, wow. Living Chassidus has me covered even in that stage. So yes, thank you very, very much. Tonight we have the great schuss of discussing surviving cold and floozies season with natural health strategies. And as I'm sure you guys know, I'm all into natural health and we're so lucky to have met Dr. Ivy Brannan. Um, she's a naturopathic doctor and founder of Simplicity Health Associates. Her degree in natu naturopathic medicine is from Baxter University, BA in biochemical engineering from Rutgers University. And not only that, but she's my friend. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. I think that's the greatest that's introduction. The we, have, right? <laughs> we love her. And we're so lucky, lucky to have her again. So pass on the Okay, thank you so much for that introduction, Michal. And yes, I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I'm looking forward to talking all about what we can be doing to survive the cold and flu season. Let's see if I can do this. Okay. Oh, there we go. So I always like to start all my presentations with just giving you a little bit of background about what naturopathic medicine is, because very often people don't know what that is. Uh, so basically, I sum it up as naturopathic medicine being a system of medicine that's very patient-specific, which utilizes natural therapies to stimulate the body's own healing potential. And we have six governing principles. Uh, the first being first do no harm, which is very similar to what all medical practices typically have as one of their governing principles. 
prevention is the best medicine. And a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today is prevention. So it's not just about when we get a cold or flu, but what can we be doing to prevent colds and flus? The healing power of nature. As naturopaths, we believe that there's this underlying intelligence that uh, when something is kind of going wrong, that we really need to understand what is actually going on and that there is like a healing potential behind that. Uh, oh, looks like I wrote <laughs> healing powers nature twice for some reason. Uh, doctor is teacher. So as I'm doing a presentation right now, but also when I'm in my practice with my patients, I really like to educate them on their condition. And then finally treating the, the whole person. So looking at all aspects of that person, what are they eating? What is their social life like? Uh, what are some of their pre-existing uh, family conditions? So really looking at the whole person. Oh, treat the cause. <laughs> so one of these should be treat the cause. So that's another really important aspect of being a naturopath. Okay, so what are some of our learning objectives tonight? So one, I am gonna be talking about some of the basics of how the immune system works. So there is gonna be some science, uh, then how we can be creating a healthier immune system through specific lifestyle and dietary changes. What are some of the key immune supportive nutrients and how do we choose herbs that actually really work? And then lastly, I have a four point strategy on how to beat colds and flus fast and naturally. Okay, so what, uh, what does our immune system do? So basically our immune system is there. It protects our body from harmful substances. So we often think of bacteria, we think of different pathogens, but it's not just those that can also be causing us to make us sick. Um, but basically looking at all kinds of different uh, uh, disease causing pathogens, bacteria, viruses, parasites, fungi, uh, also certain substances in the environment can be very harmful. And so we need our immune system there to help protect us. And then lastly, our immune system is there when sometimes our cells can go awry and should be helping to prevent changes that could potentially lead to cancer. So these are some things that our immune system is doing for us. So I wanna talk, there's basically three main areas of the immune system. I wanna first talk about physical barriers. So we can think of this as like the first step in protecting us from pathogens. So all these different, so from the skin, uh, the lining of our intestine, uh, our lungs, all of these are uh, covered in uh, epithelial cells. So these are cells that are basically separating us from the outside world. So we could you imagine like if we didn't have how much bacteria, viruses, et cetera, could be coming in. So that's just one of the physical barriers, but also lining our skin, uh, our intestines, our intestines, our lungs, uh, we actually do have uh, beneficial bacteria. And so these beneficial bacteria also play a role in the physical barriers in one that they actually can crowd out uh, harmful bacteria or harmful viruses by you know, not creating space. And then also these bacteria also produce uh, beneficial substances that can either directly kill pathogens or can kind of alert our immune system to do what it needs to do. Other things that are 
physical barriers also have is different acids. So when we have stomach acid and actually stomach acid besides breaking down food also protects us from harmful bacteria. We also have acids on our skin, in our saliva. The other thing that with the, our physical barriers is the movement of fluids. So we think of things like mucus, but also urine, blood, et cetera. Uh, the, it, the movement actually prevents bacterial adhesions. One of the, um, and I'm not gonna be talking so much about uh, urinary tract infections, but one of the best things we can do, not just to prevent a urinary tract infection, but even at the earliest signs, is actually drinking lots and lots of water to basically flush out that bacteria to prevent adhesion. So this is, some of the physical barriers and one of probably our most important physical barrier uh, when it comes to cold and flus is actually our nose. So the more that we breathe through our nose, we're really protecting ourselves because basically everything, all the air that we breathe, it has to go through so much more when it goes through our nose versus going through our mouth. So that's just one easy, I guess quote unquote easy strategy. We can even start with um, making sure that our immune system is working efficiently. So now I'm gonna start talking about some of the cells of the immune system. And so it's broken up into two different parts. So I'm gonna first start talking about the innate immune system. And so innate is basically what we're born with. This immune system, it just will fight anybody. It's not so specific. The um, main uh, cells of this immune system is the neutrophil. So it makes up about 60% of our innate immune system. And basically it's the neutrophils are kind of like our first line of defense. If things get through the, the physical barriers, these are the guys that are gonna be coming, attacking the, the bacteria, engulfing them. And uh, we, they have specific lysozymes to, to break down the, the bacteria or the, the pathogen. Then we have natural killer cells. So natural killer cells, Unlike the neutrophils that directly attack the, the pathogen, the natural killer cells actually attack cells that have been attacked by the pathogen. So they are there to basically kill off or eat up any kind of like diseased uh, cell. The eosinophils, I'm not gonna talk so much about those, they're much more what we think about when it comes to allergies. They also can be very present with uh, parasite infections. And then last two, so macrophages. So macro meaning big, phage meaning eat. So these are big eating cells that are you know, attacking different pathogens. And then lastly, so the dendritic cell is very important. And the reason it's very important is it's actually what's bridging the gap between the innate immune system and the next immune system that we're gonna be talking about, the adaptive immune system. So we have these dendritic immune cells on our skin, uh, on our digestive tract, et cetera. And what happens is when these uh, cells get in contact with certain pathogens, they actually store information that they're gonna pass down to the adaptive immune system. And it's really the adaptive immune system that is gonna be creating the, um, the most, I guess, like intelligent defense against Pathogen. So it's really the dendritic cell that's going to help us get um, activate and help with the, the adaptive part. Okay, so now talking about the adaptive immune system. So this is not 
what we, I mean, we have that potential, I guess you would say, but this isn't what we're born with, but this is more about um, very much more specific once we've had that initial illness. So it's broken up into two types. You have the B cells and the T cells. So the B cells make up the humoral part of the adaptive immune system. Their role is less about attacking. It's more about like strategy, I guess you would say. And it's really the B cells that are gonna be alerting and giving information to the T cells. How does it do it? Through antibodies and antibodies create the intelligence on the other side of the immune system to really do what it needs to do. Oh. Did you start talking about how to sick? Oh yeah, sorry, this is background. Sorry, a little bit of background. Yes. Right, so, so, so basically, um, yeah, so the, the B cells, you know, have a big role to play in antibody formation. And one of my professors like to talk about this concept of uh, optimization, where basically uh, the, the B cells are producing the antibodies and he would call it uh, bacterial barbecue sauce because it makes them more tasty to the, the, the T cells. So, the, and with the T cells, there's a couple, I mean, there's many different types, but um, the most important ones are the T helpers and they are the ones that are kind of be, gonna be kind of like orchestrating the T killer cells, which I think you can probably understand what the T killer cells do. So this is just a, a big overview of uh, the immune system and, and how it works. So you might ask a question? Oh yeah, sure. So the, the B cells are, they receive from the previous ones, the mono... The dendritic the, cells, okay. yes, yes. So they receive from the dendritic cells basically saying, hey, this thing entered our system. This is the DNA information we have on it. Right. And then the B cells, what I, I missed how So the big things with the B cells that we, they're the ones that are really responsible for the antibodies. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess like another thing you could even think about, like, you know, you have an initial invasion by some foreign enterprise and it's really the B cells are there like, where did they come from? What are they like? Like they're getting all this information. And, and think about like when you have more information about an enemy, I think you can do a better job at conquering the enemy. And I think we all know what I'm talking about. Okay. So, um, oh, so it's in quotes. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, I mean, there's actually really nothing wrong to get sick. I mean, we all kind of do sometimes some, when I was in naturopathic school, we would even talk that it was kind of very important to like get sick at least like once or twice a year just for immune health in general. But so why is it that some people seem to never get sick? Uh, so yes, genetics definitely plays a part in how our immune system works, whether or not we are more susceptible to certain illnesses. So definitely genetics do play a strong role. Our environment. So uh, is anyone familiar with the concept of the hygiene uh, hypothesis? Or hygiene paradox. No. I think I the, see. The, the more you, as far as the more you clean, the more you avoid certain things. Is that what we're talking about? Like something. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And your body has less things to react and fight against constantly. So therefore, the immune system kind of like slacks off. Am I? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so the reason I I, I chose a farm so 
many studies actually have shown that, you know, people that were like raised in farms and like, you know, in the dirt, eating dirt, uh, that actually it's really beneficial for the immune system, not just in, you know, fighting off like colds and flus, et cetera, but also, I mean, this is a little bit outside the scope of this presentation, but when we think about things like autoimmune diseases and that some th that's where more the hygiene hypothesis comes in that our immune system kind of almost gets lazy or bored and so it needs to like attack itself to do something uh, but then the other thing with the environmental part you know unfortunately you know living in an urban environment uh, not necessarily talking about the overuse of hygiene products per se but more like air quality definitely has a, a big part to play in our susceptibility to to colds and flus. So prior viral infections actually also play a role, uh, specifically cytomegalovirus. So having that infection actually lowers immune function. What's and, that virus? Uh, cytomegalovirus, which uh, uh, at, with the previous slide, when I talked about the different you know, cells of the immune system, you can, these are things that can be tested. Also CMV can be tested. And uh, I often will run that if I have a patient that uh, seems to be overly susceptible to colds and flus. And then lastly, again, we don't know everything. We still don't know why. Why is it that some people just, for some reason, are not, not getting sick? Okay, so now I'm going to talk about some of the lifestyle and diet for immunity. Okay, so sleep. So Getting enough adequate sleep is extremely important for immune yeah. function. And it actually, back to like, you know, going, looking at the innate and the adaptive uh, definitely has a big impact on both sides of those, the immune system. And one definitely that, you know, studies have shown that getting uh, less than seven hours of sleep over the course of two weeks does increase your risk of getting a cold or flu about 30%. Less than seven hours on average or less than seven hours total? Uh, on average. Okay. Yeah, on average. I was yep. like, wow, that yeah. would definitely. Well, also because, um, so that would be extremely, uh, that would be not, that's like one hour of sleep in yeah, a, a day. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That would be kind of, you actually can't live after, there was, um, I forget how many days you can actually live if you have not slept, like you actually can die. Uh, really? Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, hopefully nobody has that problem. But, no, but I'm saying like, we like, like we, people. yeah, yeah right, right, I know we do. Yeah, but I, I don't know if it's like 72, there's, there's, there is a limit. Uh, but the other interesting thing about, sleep and specifically sleep deprivation, we're not even talking, just talking about like your um, more susceptibility to colds and flus, but it actually has a negative impact on the efficacy of vaccinations. In fact, it actually reduces one's ability to produce antibodies from a vaccine, sleep deprivation. It actually reduces, so- if you don't get enough sleep and you get a vaccine, it actually reduces this, the vaccine's ability or your ability to, to take the information from the vaccine and to actually produce um, sufficient antibodies. It just it usually what happens so if the person's very sleep deprived, they reach a state of like total exhaustion. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely uh, long term effects of sleep deprivation can have negative impact on immune immune function. That's why one of the reasons why when you are sick, it's really important to, to get adequate rest and sleep. Uh, Is there a difference between rest and sleep? It's a good question. Like, I mean, because, well, sleep, I mean, is, you know, reduce certain phase. Though. I mean, there's certain, like, waves that one, I'm, yeah. I'm not, like, medically. Like, sometimes I feel like, especially when I was teaching, like, I needed days just to, like, sit up on the bed and do nothing. Like, I think I that's beautiful. Like my body needed it. Yeah. But I didn't sleep necessarily. Like, I'm saying that. Right. I mean, I would say that. I got, like, eight hours of sleep, and then I just needed to, like, rest. So is there medically... Well, I mean, they're two different things. Yeah. Uh, I think they both have a benefit for mm -hmm. sure. I would say though, rest without sleep probably would not be like if you were not sleep. That's like another thing. I think rest in addition to adequate sleep, I think it's a good, a good, a good thing to do. I'm saying medically, is it like when you tell someone to like sleep and go to rest medically, or is it definitely? Well, because well, I guess like when I say rest, um, I mean in addition to you know, there's, you know, sleep like that we do and like there's repair complexes that happen and everything like that and, and memory consolidation, et cetera. Uh, rest per se would be, you know, maybe not, you know, engaging in too much mental processes, like really minimizing. I would like, I see that more as like um, a conservation of energy that I think is really important. And, you know, another condition that I often work with is uh, chronic EBV or chronic Epstein-Barr virus. And it's very important for these patients to really rest and relax. And, and many of them really shouldn't even be engaging, even, even though I'm gonna be talking about the, the immune benefits of exercise. Uh, I'll often tell those patients that they really should not, it's not a good time for them to be exercising. Mm -hmm. oh, does that? Yeah, of, yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay, so uh, moderate to vigorous exercise for about 60 minutes. Um, at least a few days a week has positive benefits 60? on about 60 minutes. Six zero. Six zero. Six zero. Okay. Yeah. Um, does have positive benefits. <laughs> I'd say like most, like, you know, three to four days a week. I mean, obviously we're not going to miss, but uh, so exercise has, uh, huh? Just when it's cold, that's very hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so, so exercise has positive benefits on immune function, uh, mostly by enhancement of the circulation of our immune cells. It's one of the, the big benefits of exercise. Also, again, like, you know, increasing oxygen. And then when I get into, I think the next slide. Yes. Uh, and it actually even makes our, our, um, our ability to mount immune response quicker. So it does, has a lot of benefits. Now, the one thing I would have to say again, like back to like, if you actually, if exercise is good as like a preventative, obviously if you're sick, not a good time to be engaging in a lot of uh, physical activity for multiple reasons. Okay, so stress. So stress, uh, because of the production of catecholamines, so these are things like adrenaline, 
epinephrine, uh, a lot of corticosteroids, all of these actually suppress immune function. Actually, if anyone knows anybody who has, for example, an autoimmune condition, very often um, the course of medication is typically a steroid. And what does the steroid do? But it actually reduces inflammation, which is inflammation is our, basically our immune system functioning. Uh, and so that's the chemical reason why stress has uh, an impact on immune function. I would also say that stress has an indirect uh, impact on immune function in one, when we're stressed, are we sleeping well? Probably not. And so again, if we know that already like uh, sleep has a real important impact on immune function, but then um, I'm gonna be talking about in further slides, but often when we're stressed, are we, what kind of foods are we eating? And yeah, a lot of junky food, we're not sleeping well, uh, we might not be making the best choices we're skimping on, maybe the exercise. So all these different other aspects of stress definitely can have a big part to play in, in our susceptibility to colds and flus. That's where it's important to be building in different stress management practices, whether it's exercise, meditation, breath work, yoga, uh, even just you know calling up a girlfriend, uh, studying, uh, something, something that's meaningful to you. So making sure that you have something built in every day to really help with the stress management. And, and sometimes it's also resting, taking a break from <laughs> stepping away from whatever it is that is stressing you out. Okay, so sugar. Yeah, so this kind of ties in back to the stress part. <laughs> uh, so often when, when we're stressed, we, uh, we will reach for the sugar. But something really fascinating about sugar is that when we intake a large amount within just 30 minutes, our immune system ability to function actually decreases by 50%. And even crazier, it lasts for five hours. So I don't know if you're already starting to notice, like, you know, specifically if we think about like, like Tishrei, you know, we're eating a lot of like, um, decadent foods, we're staying up late, or maybe we're stressed about it. So, and then we get sick after. Uh, and uh, the other interesting thing too about sugar, and I'm going to be talking about when I, um, what is, let's see, what is like, when I think of, when I say like immune supportive nutrients, what is like one of the first one that comes to mind? Exactly. So you think vitamin C, right? Well, sugar actually lowers our ability to utilize vitamin C. So that's a, even another reason why uh, sugar can be specifically one when we're sick, but then also for trying to avoid colds and flus to be mindful of sugar content that we're having. And I would say that it's not just even like granulated sugar, but sometimes but also being aware of very high sugar juices, a lot of like our dried fruits can also be problematic. And Oreos, have a lot. Oreos oh yeah. They're all like, I don't know if there's like a website, but, but the nice thing is now um, a lot of the, there's a big uh, initiative or I think, and I think it's across the board now, all the nutritional labels now actually have the amount of added sugar. Yeah. And yeah. when I'm working with patients, 
that are specifically struggling with either they need to fight some kind of infection or they have a condition that is impacted and that they need to really have a strong immune system, my typical recommendation is either no more than 10 or no more than five grams of added sugar daily. And it, it's surprising. It can really add up a lot of like our like ketchup and sauces and it's like in everything. It's really, it's really, really crazy. It's America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious, how many cookies did you eat? What? <laughs> I, really I like, can tell you, I have the package right here. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it better to add orange juice or yeah so they both have a lot of sugar unfortunately i I mean i guess one would argue that probably the uh, it's actually this that's almost like a little bit of a tough one really what about a whole fruit Uh, a whole fruit is perfect because you're getting the fiber uh and it's not going to be this big shock to the system i would say like a fresh mango would be better uh dates i i usually put them a lot in more in the the sugar category for for patients yeah again like it's not that you can never have these foods again but again if you're just thinking about moderation or if you think that you might be coming down with something it might be a good time to like refrain from the sugar what about like honey maple syrup yeah so those are all still sugar they really are uh and again, so, you know, thinking about like proper limits, like no more than 10 or no more than five. And I believe now even like the American Heart Association and like, you might think, oh, wow, 10, that sounds like very low. But I think it is like the American Heart Association. I think it's like 15 grams for women and 20 grams for men. It's really not a lot. You can't even do this. I was going to say a Coke is already. You've already done it. Right. Exactly. Already done for a few days. Yeah. 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 So just as like a word of caution. Is there something that helps balance your sugar? Like to eat a lot of sugar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Here, 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 like the last of my diet is sugar. Uh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so similar to uh, so alcohol, alcohol really is a toxin. Um, and even with though there is like some very small health benefits and very small dosages, the negative side of alcohol unfortunately doesn't really justify the quote unquote health benefits and that you can get the health, same health benefits you know, from so many other things. Uh, but basically alcohol negatively impacts all the parts of the, the immune system, starting from barrier functions. So as I mentioned before, like our skin, I mean, not so much our skin, but uh, uh, that like you know, the lining of our GI tract, our lungs have these cells called epithelial cells. Well, alcohol damages epithelial cells. So that's one gonna increase the likelihood that pathogens can get in. Uh, it also affects many cells of the innate and also the, um, the adaptive immune system. So it's really affecting all aspects of, of the immune system. So definitely wanna be very mindful of alcohol intake. Uh, definitely when you're sick, but again, even just from a preventative. So. And they've actually even started getting even stricter also with alcohol. So it used to be that it was recommended that women could have uh, having one seven day, one drink seven days a week was fine. And for men, it was two. And now I think that they might have just recently decreased it now just two across the board. 
I have to, I, I definitely have to look that up, but I do believe that I might've heard something like that. Can I say something interesting? Sure. In Russia, um, if someone had a fever, like kids, the way they would help with the fever is they would massage the, the baby's feet or his feet with vodka. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> is it to probably because it warms it up or cools it down or something? I just remember having my feet massaged with vodka. Yeah, I mean, that's not going to be really getting into you internally so much. I don't yeah, know either. Yeah. You're from that part of the world. Right. Okay, so now these are more beneficial foods. So uh, probiotics and fermented foods. So, yeah, kombucha. And uh, so specifically, actually, Sauerkraut kimchi. Oh yeah, yeah. I used to do it and like I haven't uh my scoby didn't make it when I moved. I should I mean I could get another one easily. Uh, okay, excellent, excellent. Uh can you talk about Yogurt, like, is that a picture of yogurt? Yeah, that's piece. Yeah, yogurt. So, like, like, what kind of yogurts are actually beneficial? Because most are just full of sugar. Right. So definitely unsweetened. So, so I would say like, if you're targeting, so there's you know probiotics like in the capsule form, and then there's also fermented foods, and they have kind of like different um, actions. So as far as like yogurt in general, you definitely. Not all yogurt. So big also has to do with brand. Um, so the big thing would definitely, again, back to the, the whole sugar thing. So definitely want to have plain yogurts. Now the choice between a cow or goat sheep versus a plant-based yogurt, really did, there's some other factors. So if you're somebody who tolerates dairy and you don't have a, a, a dairy, a problem with dairy, there's no problem with having cow, sheep, goat now i will have to say though if you actually are sick now i'm like i'm gonna keep on contradicting myself but we actually are sick most of us really would not benefit from having animal dairy at that time because you are just gonna be producing a lot of mucus from it but from a preventative standpoint if you tolerate it that's perfectly fine uh one of the things so you know that if you have i mean i really actually ideally i would say the best is really to make your own if you can and you can even use um your probiotic capsules to make yogurt uh there's also a really good website if you're really interested in like fermented foods and, and making fermented foods it's called cultures for health they they have great recipes they also sell cultures uh and you can definitely make your own so you know really high quality yogurts and also um like kefir etc usually tend to write the strains that are on it because you want to make sure that they're alive. Otherwise, you're not going to be getting the same uh, benefit from it. And then I would say really actually specifically, um, I wanted to talk about some specific fermented foods, things like sauerkraut, kimchi, and kefir. So they actually contain uh, a specific acid. And the, the, so, it's not, so with the fermented foods and bacteria, um, it's not even just about the bacteria themselves, but also some of the things that they produce. So they, they actually have this acid that actually acts as like immune system, like a tractant. 
And so that can really, really help with immune function. Um, but if you remember back when I was talking about the physical barriers, so the ways that probiotics work really are one, either through crowding. So um, whether it's the lining of our GI tract, our respiratory tract, and then I know, we're, again, we're not talking about female reproduction, but uh, really making sure that we have robust uh, bacteria, beneficial bacteria in our vaginal tissues can actually really prevent urinary tract infections, different vaginal infections, just by through the sheer act of just like crowding out the invaders, but also that these bacteria also produce substances that either directly kill pathogens or signal to the immune system to function better. And I wanted to uh, just address a few specific strains. So most of the bacteria that we kind of talk about are like various species of lactobacillus. And some of, some of the big ones specifically when we're thinking about like respiratory. Uh, so lactobacillus plantarum, lactobacillus rhamnosus. There's been really good studies specifically against the flu. They were um, using uh, strains of the H1N1, uh, also lactobacillus casei, fermentum, and of course, probably everyone knows uh, acidophilus. So these are all different strains that are really have shown positive benefits against respiratory infections. May I ask something? Sure. It's not exactly you mentioned about acid. So is there something to do for acid reflux with natural flu? Oh yeah, there's a lot of things that we can do. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, well, there's some, um, and I feel like that might be another presentation. <laughs> uh, oh, oops. I have a question. I, there's a controversial thing Raw milk versus pasteurized milk. Oh, yes. I'm curious what they put in the because I don't know what I think of it. I just know that. Well, I just, I just know that. I, I, I can tell you all the controversy. I heard that raw milk is like, has a lot more health benefits because it's not, once you cook something, you boil something up, then it kills a lot of the good bacteria. But that, so I was like curious. I tried. Yeah, so again, so yeah, like during the heating process, a lot of the beneficial, some beneficial. Okay, I've never heard of a, a raw milk detox, but maybe that's the thing, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I actually do know a lot on raw milk, but I feel like that might be not taking away a little bit from, but we can maybe talk offline. But can you say in short, like something that will help with Okay, so this is just some aspects of like immune supportive diet. And it, I mean, it's basically a lot of it's just good, basic, um, healthy principles, you know, choosing more whole grains. So. Yes, I talked a lot about sugar, but even like refined carbohydrates are, are pretty much just like sugar as well. So really choosing whole grains that have at least two grams of fiber per serving, lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, um, high quality protein, uh, basically just I think good common uh, diet sense. And I want to talk about some of the immune supportive nutrients. 
So vitamin D. So the way that we found out that vitamin D is immune supportive is actually pretty interesting. <laughs> so in the turn of the century, when people got really sick, they sent you to a sanitarium and it was like a like a place where you would like detox and they would do all these like things. And also it was just to also keep you away from other people and getting you sick. So uh, this one sanitarium with um, tuberculosis patients, one of the parts of their treatment was taking out, out into the sun. And it was through the sun and also giving them cod liver oil. So cod liver oil is very high in vitamin D naturally. And then we, cod liver oil is um, high in vitamin D, uh, but also, and then we get vitamin D from the sun. So that's kind of interesting of how we figured out that vitamin D had immune supportive properties. Vitamin D is kind of interesting vitamin in the sense that it's actually almost more, or it is actually a hormone as well. Uh, and um, the other important aspect about vitamin D is, or how, one of the ways that it works is that most of our immune cells actually do have vitamin D receptors. And typically in my practice, I dose vitamin D based on if my, where my patients are. So for optimal levels, you really wanna make sure that you have vitamin D levels of, of at least 50. Uh, and then also in the winter months, we do not absorb hardly any vitamin D from the sun. We're really specifically where we are uh, on the earth. We're really only absorbing vitamin D basically May through <laughs> May through September. So often we need to definitely supplement with vitamin D in the winter. Also, if we're breastfeeding, if we're pregnant, we're going to have um, higher vitamin D. D requirement, but I, I always just dose based on what my patient needs. The other important thing about vitamin D is the fat soluble vitamin. So if you are supplementing with vitamin D, you do need to take it with a fat. So whether it's with a food or with a, your, if you're taking fish oil, so it's a fat soluble. Okay. So vitamin A, so vitamin A, uh, actually has positive benefits on all aspects of our immune system in it um, really helps with the epithelial cells. It helps with the cells of our innate and also our adaptive immune system. It's found in a lot of our colorful fruits and vegetables in the form of beta carotene. It's also found in liver. Now, the one thing though, vitamin A is really good with immune support. It's also toxic or can be toxic. So you do have to be careful with the amount of vitamin A you're taking and for the length of time because it can um, have a negative impact on your liver. And you also have to be cautious with vitamin A if you are pregnant. So uh, women that um, are pregnant, might become pregnant, uh, really don't want to be taking, if you are supplementing with vitamin A, really don't want to be taking more than 5,000 IUs. Uh, a day. So really have to be careful of vitamin A. Um, you don't have to worry so much from naturally occurring vitamin A in foods, but as far as supplementation, but it can be really good for immune support. So you don't have to be afraid of it, but I need to just tell you that. Quick question. Yes. Is it good to um, eat a lot of fruits because it has a lot of vitamins in it? It depends. Yeah, I would say I usually will steer my patients more towards 
eating more vegetables first. Okay. Most people only really need one or two servings of fruit, but when it comes to vegetables, really wanting about like four to six servings, getting awesome more vegetables and fruits. Oh yeah, definitely okay. for, for multiple reasons. Uh, and you know, every fruit is, fruit definitely has health benefits. So I'm not going to say sure, yeah. fruit is bad, but uh, if you could only pick one, I would pick the vegetables over the fruits. So antioxidants are really important for immune function. Uh, I, was, I was actually giving a talk on fertility last night and talking a lot about antioxidants. And one of the big reasons why antioxidants are important is the prevention of cellular damage. And again, we really need to make sure that our cells are operating efficiently uh, in order to have a good immune system. And, and so some of our main antioxidants are vitamin C, which, which again is a very classic immune supportive vitamin, vitamin E, also selenium. These are all really, really important both from diet. And the other thing with the nutrients I would say is um, often when it comes to immune support, we do need to often dose them a little bit higher than we would typically get from, from naturally occurring in the diet. Zinc, so zinc has a lot of antiviral properties. It uh, definitely stimulates parts of our immune system. We get it a lot from meat. We get it from nuts and seeds. Although the one thing with nuts and seeds is that um, there are little things in there called phytates. And so we don't absorb all those things. Our, a lot of the, the minerals from some of our plant sources, we don't always absorb them all because we have some, some different, um, or we lack certain enzymes that other creatures in the world don't, they do have. So it is also a good idea to get both from animal sources and plant sources. Of course, if you're vegan, you might also have to supplement. The other thing when it comes to zinc and immune support, and if you're taking in a zinc supplement, you really should be taking it on an empty stomach. It can be difficult for some patients because uh, zinc can be very nauseating. So I will either have patients dose it at bedtime or an hour after a pretty substantial meal. And then if they really have a hard time following it, I'll often have them take it with like a little bit of fruit. Uh, and the main reason is that um, a lot of our nutrients actually compete with each other. So iron and for example, like iron and calcium compete. Uh, right, exactly. Yeah, I, I know. Isn't it beautiful? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Iron, which is a big source of iron, is meat. And calcium, a big source of calcium is milk. And the dafka yeah. space in between. Exactly. So beautiful. Yeah. So I've designed it. Right. You're not meant to eat them so you don't feel good. Because then your, your, your body doesn't absorb, right? Right. So, so, so basically, if you eat a high no. cal, if you, um, say you're iron deficient, right? And you have like an iron rich meal, but you decide either because you're going and you drink big lots of milk, or you decide to take a lot of calcium, you actually reduce your body's ability to absorb the iron from that meal. It's kind of interesting. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about some herbs and, for colds and flus. And uh, before I even get started, one of the really important things when it comes to herbs, uh, I'd say herbs even more than nutrients, 
quality really does count. And you have to be really mindful of what you actually purchase in the store. So I often really recommend, if possible, even you could make your own. And so two companies in particular, uh, Mountain Rose Herbals and Star. Oh, okay, so we already know. Starbucks. Uh huh. She's an herbalist. Oh, she. So when she spoke for us last time, she, that was a that was a company that she suggested. Yeah. So Mountain Rose Herb and Star West, they have really great bulk herbs. They also have tinctures because you know whenever I have a patient say, oh, I tried that herb, it didn't work for me, and then I see what I'm like, I don't even know if this product even contains this herb, and there's a lot of unfortunately either uh, and. Because the other, part, there's so many important aspects when it comes to herbs. Uh, the part of the plant really matters, the quality, uh, and also that it definitely contains the right amount. And so really want to make sure that you're choosing high quality herbs. So the company is Mountain Rose Herbals and then Star West Herbals and Star West. And they have extra, so it's... There we go. Win-win. It's a win-win. What about, I don't know if I'm going to have to but what about tea? I, okay, so I'm going to, you mean like drinking? Well, I'm going to go and talk about some of my choice herbs, kind of like how one would formulate, uh, and then I'll give you some formulations too. Oh. Yeah. Or you want tea companies? No, no, just okay. like having herbs and like, let's say you like five from like a yogi so yogi brand i'll say yogi brand and traditional medicinals as far as easy access herbal products they're excellent i always recommend those definitely and there's like another company that's also like oh um i think it's like alethea like they're in a white box there, there yeah. are there are some good brands out there mm -hmm. okay so the first herb I want to talk about is astragalus. And so astragalus is actually a classic Chinese antiviral herb. What I like, and it also has uh, adaptogen product uh, property. So adaptogens are herbs that um, help with adrenal function. So, you know, times of stress. Astragalus is great in both that it can really be supportive in prevention of colds and flus, but also can be used in conjunction with other herbs when you actually do have a cold or flu. So it has both antiviral properties, but it also is um, helps to activate different parts of our immune system. Okay. Sure. Where does this herb? Where does it come from? So it, it it is originally a Chinese herb, though I do believe that they do cultivate it also like in the states stuff. it's a so yes and that's a good question so it's always really important that we know the parts of the herb that is important because when you if you do decide to buy a pre-made product it should state the part of the plant and if it doesn't state the part of the plant you can be a little bit skeptic and then it also if it says the part of the plant and you're like wait that's not really the part of the plant that does that so is this really doing part something different. exactly yes yes so that is um, also uh, astragalus has um, also beneficial. I mean, we're not talking about, but it has also beneficial properties on kidney function as well. And you can you can use this in a tea. You can get a tincture. It also really makes um, you, you know you can like uh, you can I guess like 
trying to think like uh, um, augment or no, I'm trying to think like, what am I trying to say? Uh, you can improve like the property of your chicken soup and make it even more therapeutic. What is a tincture? So a tincture, I know I just was like demonizing alcohol, um, but uh, <laughs> uh, so tincture is basically a alcohol preparation of herbs. So that's another actually important aspect when it comes to utilizing herbs. Some, so herbs have all these different things that we call constituents and the different constituents have different properties. And so sometimes actually doing an alcohol preparation via tincture makes that herb more powerful or you're getting more of what you want from that herb. So that could actually be a benefit. If alcohol is a problem, one of the things that you can do when it comes to utilizing tinctures is you can actually add them to hot water. And so it just basically burns off the alcohol. So if you really did not want alcohol for whatever reason, and then there is another type of tincture that doesn't use alcohol called a glycerate. Though the only thing is glycerates don't work for all herbs, but it does work for a lot of herbs and has like a similar benefit. Hmm? And it's sugar. Yes, but it doesn't, it's sugar, but it's not, I think it doesn't actually have an impact. It, it's sweet, but it doesn't actually have an impact on like insulin levels, like something like, like for example, like stevia, monk fruit. It's kind of, yeah, it doesn't really have a glycemic impact though it is sweet. That's a good, a good point usually the herbs I buy for my kids are on that's right glycerate, yeah yeah so makes sense yes okay so medicinal mushrooms really good for immune support uh, so this is reishi this is probably one of my favorite immune support mushrooms they uh and even moving back I, I, this is a, I did do this presentation many, like the beginning, like it was like something 2020. Uh, and so we we're all like, of course, like, you know, very interested in COVID. And so one of the things I was taking was lots and lots of medicinal mushrooms. And one of the bones I was using had uh, reishi in it. Uh, so it's because uh, a lot of our medicinal mushrooms really help, you know, I talked about like the B cells and really help, and also the T cells really helping with, um, facilitating like the adaptive immunity. Classic herb is echinacea. And so echinacea, so you actually, so this is again where we get back into like how the parts are significant. So you actually have two different types of echinacea. And you also know like if your product is good or bad by one, what part, which one, and do they tell you the right parts? So there's uh, echinacea angustifolia and that we use like the flowering tops like you see here. And then there's Echinacea purpura, and that one we actually use the root. Uh, they both have benefits in cold and flu prevention and also uh, fighting off the duration of a cold and flu. It's also one of the only, so that one of the downsides of a lot of herbs is many of them are contraindicated during pregnancy and lactation, either because we definitely know that there could be a problem or we could deduce based on like other things they do that could cause a problem or we just don't know. But uh, echinacea is actually uh, hands down like a safe herb to use during pregnancy and lactation. Okay, so those were all the herbs that I just mentioned. 
do both like preventative and also like you have a colder flu. So lomatium is a really heavy hitting herb. I wouldn't necessarily use this for prevention, but if you are really sick, I, I definitely recommend using lomatium. It's the root. Uh, it comes from the Pacific Northwest. One of um, my last year in naturopathic school, we did this like amazing camping trip in the Cascades where we actually got to harvest lomatium and make our own tinctures. It was really cool, but it has very strong antiviral, really strong immune stimulant. And you actually don't really need, it's a very nasty tasting herb and you really don't need that much of it. And it can be really powerful as part of um, any kind of formula. Only echinacea of the, uh, there's, there's mixed about, um, yeah, echinacea is totally fine. Uh, the other ones you have, I mean, definitely talk to your doctor, like talk to like your midwife, your OB, but uh, I, I, I tend to be very conservative when it comes to pregnancy and, and lactation. Other doctors might also re might recommend, I'm just very conservative. So I only recommend herbs that are like, we know 100% are fine, similarly with nutrients. And here's a bunch of other herbs. So when we're doing a formula, we might wanna think about adding a, a bunch of different herbs. So adaptogens, so adaptogens are herbs that we associate with the adrenal glands, they're good for stress, and they're a really great additive to any kind of immune supportive uh, formula. Uh, so some of our classic adaptogens, uh, sorry, I put them all in the scientific names. Uh, so licorice, which is glyceriza, your ginsengs. I, are people familiar with rhodiola? I think of like everybody's into rhodiola now. Uh, Alerthococcus is Siberian ginseng. Uh, so these are always good to have. Um, holy basil, any of these adaptogens you can definitely add to a formula. Lymphagogs, really important. So what does that mean? It's basically moving the, the lymph. So moving our white blood cells, moving our, our immune cells. Uh, so phytolaca is poke root, very commonly we think of what like a pharyngitis. Um, there's a classic formula called the hemp formula, uh, which is uh, hydrasis, which is golden seal, echinacea, myrrh, and phytolaca. So it's really moving uh, all the immune system here. Uh, gallium which is also called cleavers. Not only is that good for upper respiratory, but also anything like pelvic related. So if you're thinking about um, moving the lymph of, of that region, if there's any infections, immune stimulants, so Baptiza, uh, Tionansis, which is red root, which I also harvested on that same trip. Very good immune stimulant, any antivirals. Uh, so Lagusticum, uh, I think is a little bit more well-known. That's also called OSHA, very strong antiviral. Uh, diaphoretics, so diaphoretics. So I didn't really talk about this so much, but um, in one of the big principles is rather than suppressing a fever that we should actually um, help to mount a fever. And I might've even talked about that with the wet socks treatment in the, the last presentation. So some of our classic herbs that help with fever. And when I say help with fever, actually promote a fever. Uh, so Achillea, which is yarrow, has kind of like a nice, also yarrow is really good, I, I feel as like a, a good um, herb when you're sick because it also has, it's bitter. So it's also gonna help with digestion. 
So thinking about like when we're sick, we might not be eating, but we need to take in some nourishment. So uh, adding samira, uh, matricaria is chamomile, sambucus is uh, elder flower, uh, tilia, those are really great. And then nervines. So nervines are herbs that help to calm the nervous system. And if we think about it, when we're sick, we really need to be resting and sleep, but we might not feel comfortable. So something like lemon balm can be great. Also lavender, uh, lavender. I mean, I, actually that could be like the one herb because it's like, it's antimicrobial. Uh, okay. So here are just some pre-made formulas. If you like don't want to get too much into making things. So Blue Bonnet makes a really great mushroom blend, which you could take both preventatively, but also if you do have a cold or flu. Uh, I love all the immune supportive teas by Traditional Medicinals. I think they're fantastic. Traditional is a company? Yes, yeah. yeah. So those teas are really great. They're really yummy. They're organic and they don't put like any kind of weird additives and, and they're, you can really trust that brand. Uh, the Blue Bonnet uh, Wellness Support Defense. It's uh, a mixture of both uh, vitamins, minerals, but also different herbs. I didn't put it on there, but they also make a really good beta carotene with um, C, E, and selenium that I like. Uh, so if you're not wanting herbs and you just wanted the nutrients, I think that's a really great product. Beta yeah, it's, it's a kind of like beta carotene plus or something. I actually prescribe it a lot with my acne patients, but it's also really good for immune support. And then uh, lastly would be um, Landau makes some really good uh, zinc lozenges with uh, echinacea and vitamin C. So those are just things that like, you just wanna like pick something up at the store. Now I'm gonna get into some classic herbal remedies. These are what I learned in naturopathic school. If you wanna get a little bit more fancy, uh, you probably would wanna maybe get these ahead of time. <laughs> So here is a dry cough tea. So we have, so mullein, which I think somebody was talking, you know, again, like how like the different parts of a plant have different properties. So mullein is very much that. So uh, mullein, um, the, the root is very much more for the, uh, like the urinary tract and then the flower much for respiratory uh, cult's foot is very much, so this is dry cough tea. So it's very much uh, indicated for dry cough because it helps to like, um, reduce kind of like that chaotic coughing. You would not want to use that herb for a wet cough where you're wanting to get stuff out. Uh, marshmallow is what we call an alternative or a demulcent herb. So basically it helps to soothe tissues and then, and it's acting as like, um, an expectorant and has all the parts. And so this, and then this is a tickling cough syrup and you could actually take these herbs. Um, I would, so typically we would do it in a tincture form but you could actually use them also um, as a tea. Though one of the things that I feel like as a tea you probably would wanna do much more of like a decoction. And um, so decoction is when you boil more um, like roots and, and berries versus uh, a tea is more of when you would actually just do like leaves and flowers. And so probably like the, one of the, the strongest herbs in this definitely would be the lobelia. Uh, so that is really helpful. Um, so lobelia is one of these interesting herbs when you, you can either dose it high and dose it low and it actually has 
different uh, effects. And then all around, so this is like, this is like a really heavy hitter. I would not recommend just taking this just um, to take it. This is definitely when you actually are, I would, and when I talk about like my, my four point strategy, one of the most important things definitely is just starting these things as early as possible, like at the earliest sign. So this is definitely something that, you know, if you would want to start very early on, probably taking about anywhere like one to two dropper fulls every three to four hours, really, really strong. Uh, you know, you could definitely add it to, if, if you were doing a tincture, you could definitely add it to some water. You could also, again, make this, easily make this into a tea. Is there such thing as like a, 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 what's the word, like a set of like a few things that are good for tea season? Meaning like something, like all these, all these herbs, right? So these are things that we would make. Right. So I definitely recommend, um, like as far as like, when it comes to a very effective herbal formula, you typically want at least a couple things like you want to include kind of like if I went back to this earlier slide um yeah so you know if I was coming up with a formula you know coming up with like you know including definitely an adaption you definitely want to have a, a lymphagog lots of stimulate immune stimulating antiviral so having a like a blend of of different different herbs and you're wondering if they still yeah, I think it's more like these old questions. And then here's some, so homeopathy is a little bit um, more difficult, but like, so, so, so these are some of our classic um, acute homeopathic remedies. Uh, one of my teachers always really felt that the best homeopathic remedy for any condition was somebody's constitutional. So if you've ever worked with a homeopath and so that was his philosophy, but um, these are some, some remedies are, are typically associated with a fever. So aconite, belladonna, I feel it's like belladonna and chamomilia, I think are like, that's exactly like when I think fever, like that is what I think of. <laughs> uh, and then uh, cost and a big part also has to do with like other symptoms and uh, and, and then there are some, there definitely are some homeopathic ones that will often like have like a little bit of all of these and hopefully that one of them will work. Right, right. So that's like when you've like, you've met with a homeopath, you've talked for like an hour and a half, two hours, everything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so the other thing with my, um, one of my teachers, the same teacher who also said that the best remedy was the constitutional, uh, that, you know, when you're deciding on an acute, that uh, if it's the right one, it'll, it should work. Like that he, he recommended um, basically, you know, doing one and then if it wasn't working, then to, to go to another one. As opposed to? That it, it would either work or it, if it works, it works. If it's not working, it's the wrong remedy uh -huh, for that right. patient. And how long does it take to like, what's your timeline for like, it's working? For the homeopath? Yeah. 
I mean, it, it should be, it, you should start noticing a change within like, like about 30 minutes to an hour. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then he would say to like, that was his philosophy, um, but that's, that's one philosophy. Okay, so here's my four point uh, cold and flu strategy. So rest, rest is really important. So, you know, as soon as you start, you, you're not feeling well, good time to just like, let's just cancel plans. Let's like stay in for the night and maybe the next morning it'll be gone. And wouldn't that be great? Yeah, right, yeah. Okay, so eliminate sugar. So again, like you're coming down something is a good time to eliminate sugar. Uh, and then I would say plus dairy and gluten if you can. Definitely dairy just because of the, the mucus production. Uh, and then for many of us during, like we're fighting something, uh, gluten could be inflammatory. So definitely sugar, but also possibly um, the dairy and the gluten. Oops. So this I think is really important. So really, sometimes you want a natural strategy, you really do need to, to hit it as hard and early as possible. Uh, and so we're talking about like taking it every two to three hours. And so I always, I think all of us have like, and I, I, I was working with a new patient on Wednesday and, and she's actually coming to see me because she feels like she keeps getting sick. And so I was asking her like, what are her early symptoms? Cause I think all of us have it. Like for me, I know that I might be coming down something. I always feel it in my muscles. Like I feel sore and be like, Hey, did I work out yesterday? It's like, no. And then that's usually my first symptom. And I know, okay, like maybe I need to like rest or maybe I need to start taking something. And often if you catch it early enough, you won't get sick. Or if you do get sick, it won't last as long. Because the other big thing too is getting sick, uh, since we cause the flu you also might end up getting a sinus infection, which is actually one of the other reasons why uh, eliminating the dairy and gluten can be a good idea because it's one thing just to have the cold and flu and then second to then have a sinus infection after. Nobody wants that. No. <laughs> and then support, don't suppress a fever. So that's again why using things like the diaphragmic herbs, doing something like wet sock treatment uh, can be beneficial. Yeah, because they um, feel uncomfortable. So, I mean, actually, the fever is our immune system working. <laughs> it's basically, that's all, like, all I have to say. I mean, yes, there, there are dangerous fevers. Infants, for example, that can be, like, there are definitely... So again, I, there's a couple, and there's there's different things. So like again, um, in certain populations and certain temperatures, it can be dangerous. And of course, like that's not what I'm. Well, that too, but that's not what she meant. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you mean to to lower to lower a fever. Yeah, to lower a fever. I mean, there's a lot of different things, you know, that Is I could. Is it necessary? I'm just so I'm just so curious, like what, like the natural. Like, because usually like, the doctor will tell you, oh, you're really sick. 
supposed to be robots, which I didn't totally listen. Like all the way because I just thought it was too much, but I need to give her Tylenol every four hours. I need to give my baby Tylenol every four hours. Well, I guess it again, it really depends on like what temperature we're talking about because so if babies do so certain temperatures are dangerous and they can cause a seizure right i mean it's i'm not going to kind of go there yeah <laughs> yeah Um, so can I ask, basically the question that I had earlier was, is there like, there, you have a lot, a lot of different herbs and remedies that you listed. Right. Is there such a thing as like buying like a kit? Oh, like a pre-made like, one you mean? Or something like that. Of like, like, let's say I don't have all the supplies to make the tinctures or right. the remedies. So, so would the, is there such a thing as like, oh cold and flu season is coming up, like I'm going to buy a kit so that I'm prepared. So as soon as I start feeling something, I don't have to run and try and find to buy something or make something like I'll have it prepared. Or is that just like 21st century stuff that we're- I mean, there might be something out there. I mean, there might be some herbal company or there. So, I mean, again, like I did include a couple like pre-made formulas that you can buy in the store and like maybe you want to buy some of those and keep them on hand. Okay. Uh, oh yeah those are good yeah oh yeah that one's really good <laughs> yeah that Anyone one's really good herbs, I say that, that's YouTube yeah YouTube. that one's really good I, that one you can get on amazon what is it the company's called wish garden yeah actually i think they do make a, i think they do make like a set or something. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah, that's yeah. a very yeah. good. It, yeah, they're based in Oregon. They're fantastic. Yeah, that's good stuff. Another thing, also, um, I mean, I didn't talk about this as much, but also essential oils are really good to have oh. on hand. What, what essential oils? Lavender. Lavender oil, tea tree. Yeah. Well, babies and even and also during pregnancy too. What about um, there's this. Uh, there's this Swiss mine called Abaz oil that we always used it when we were little. Oh, I never heard of it. What is it? Um, it's like it's a European thing that people use in Europe. Abaz oil. Abaz. It's like we use it for like nasal. Oh yeah, but yeah, essential oils can be really good for um, either steam uh, inhalation. You can, I mean. It's a little controversial, but you can have some of that if it's, I mean, that's also where you also want to make sure you have high quality, but um, you can even take one, just like one drop of, it has to be real lavender oil. It can't be like, you got it, like not something, but you can actually take one drop of lavender oil when you, at the first sign of like a cold or flu, and that can also just like nip in the just one well you can or just you can oh, do it more just just one drop though oh, just I like, put it i put it in water like a little bit you do the same thing yeah you, yeah and i'm not saying yeah. drink it i'm just i mean you are taking it but i mean it's literally just one drop we're not doing any more than oh, a drop what about, what about fermented um um garlic and onions oh yeah definitely like, honey what can you 
Oh yeah, like an oxymel. Yeah, that, it, there's so many. Other, there's so many things. I mean, what about, like, what are the benefits? Because I made it this year. Finally, I remembered, oh. and I'm like, I take it every day, and I'm like, oh well, they have very strong. Day? And then my like, what are the benefits? That's Okay, so so basically, specifically garlic and also onion, they have really good sulfur compounds. In fact, actually, uh, garlic has been used against um, MRSA. Wow. So this is a bacteria that is basically um, immune to antibiotics, but garlic actually can fight against it. Oh, garlic! I mean, garlic's that, that's another. I mean, that's an easy one. Uh, just having like two or three cloves of garlic and you can heat it. It doesn't have to be like completely, you don't have to be like so hardcore and eat it raw. Yeah. What about ginger? Because I feel like. Oh yeah, those are good. Because also like, again, like that also kind of goes back into like, so, I mean, ginger is just a great herb when we even think about from, you know, making formulation perspective we consider what's called a synergizer it just seems to kind of like get everything like yeah get started so our classic synergizers are ginger and licorice so that's why they're in so many formulas because so i feel like like ginger you can just buy in the grocery store where can you get like licorice from what is anise oh so liquor no no, no. <laughs> so uh, traditional medicinals makes uh, a licorice. I mean, you can get a lot of licorice teas, and again, depending on the brand, they can be, you know, higher or lower quality. Uh, definitely, you can buy like tinctures. I'm trying to think of like where else. What's the website you said again that you could buy stuff? Uh, Mountain Rose. Yeah. yeah and, and they have like a variety, like. Yeah, it, it, oh yeah. The orders get super shipping. So right. Yeah. In the past, last year, then we did a group shop and we all got a little bit of something and it worked out. Really and there's like all kinds of fun things you can do. Like you can also take, um, I know I was so funny. So I was talking about like, don't have sugar, but, uh, you know, an interesting way to make uh, herbs is like grinding them and then mixing them in honey. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's like another. That's what I did. That's what I did with, with the garlic. Like I chopped it up and the onions, I chopped it up. And yeah. I feel like it's more potent when it's chopped. No, mm -hmm. I did. Is like that a thing? thing? I don't know. The recipe that I was given a few years ago was you put the whole. I mean, the onion you cut up smaller, but you leave it for three days. Every like every day you flip it over just to get it. Remember for three days afterwards you take them out and you just have the honey. Oh, you're not supposed to eat the garlic or onion. I probably, know. I would. It probably tastes good. You it. would. I mean, you I would or you would not. I and love I love garlic and onion. No, well, I just the, like the saying that it's staying in the right. like over. Yeah. Also, I got a, I got like an organic local honey and I fermented. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're like sensitive to like, garlic or onion, will, it, will this making this help or not? Uh, I I probably I don't think it depends. But what 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 is the sensitivity? Right.
apple cider vinegar. Even, I've never that. They do, okay. yeah. Oh. Just to I wouldn't have thought of that. That's so Yeah. Nothing like that. Just with spoon. Just like a little shot, no? Yeah, with some water. Yeah. My mom was doing that. Yeah, in the morning. Oh. oh with, with the mother. You have to go what to about step. what about now? Like, what if I'm having it now? Like, well, if you're having it, like I wouldn't necessarily do it with when you're. It's more of a preventative. Uh, allergies is really good. Um. Allergies. Yeah. But not like the sugary one. Damn. Not the <laughs> like that is how, do you, how do you make out? Like I see aloe all the time at the store. How do you I mean for cuts I mean you literally just take the scoop and you put it right. Oh like how do they manufacture it? No, like oh. even if I were to buy a thing at the store and I want to make aloe juice, which is like although you have to I'm trying to think of yeah, like how you would do it because you want to be careful with the latex aspect of it because then you would actually end up causing creating a, a laxative, which you don't, uh -huh, like, unless you want that, I mean, <laughs> so what, what, do you, what do you explain that? Laxative makes you go to the bathroom. No, like with, right, no, but with the, because I think, with, be, like, allergies might cause, might, no, I'm just trying to think of, how, yeah, how, no, I mean, I don't know how allergies is made, and, but I know okay. that part of the leaf has, has like the, um, latex part and it that that is has a laxative effect mm -hmm. and so i'm just trying to think of how do they make the aloe juice without i don't know how they make allergies okay yeah uh -huh. that's a one quick question um if you have to um like a cute one they just like any challenge in having it and i was told that you're supposed to take it like two hours in the day right but three hours every three hours in the night Oh, and so it's like very annoying that to like wake up every three hours to take it. Yeah. 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 I was like, I'll do it during the day, but I can't get up every can't two hours. I had one that I like issues where I was like, I kept getting sick. Like I was like sick, and then like two days later, and I recovered, and like two days later, I get sick again. And I recover, and then two days later, I get sick again. And I was like, and I was like, why am I getting six or whatever? Because I knew, I don't know, because I wasn't consistent with the night. Right. Yeah. But I just, it's just not worth it for me to get out of bed. And so that was just crazy. Just, mm -hmm. not get out of bed, but like just take it just for me. Just, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I was told, I was told that it doesn't really help out. I was like, how can you help unless take it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that's probably a conversation with your, your homie. Well, it's probably more of a conversation with your homie. No, I spoke about it. I said, no, just, just do it and it's over. Mm -hmm. Right. So, what is your yeah. practice? Like, how can we find you? Sure. So, um, my office, oh, I have two offices. One is in the West Village, and then I work remotely from home on Thursdays. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how can we find you? So I have a website. Uh, oh. And Instagram. Right there. And Instagram. And I have a YouTube channel. I've been doing, I'm oh, now doing a whole series on healthy travel. Oh, wow. I just did one on jet lag and I have to do, I think, five or six more videos. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jet lag. That's so cool. Yeah. Jet lag's a fun one. Oh gosh, now you're getting me hooked. Okay, you're coming back. <laughs> <laughs>
Right. That's actually a really good question. So I would say in some ways, like, I feel like the wet cough. Yeah, sure. I feel like the wet cough makes more like, I know I keep, you know, talking about like the, the healing power of nature. Uh, I feel like the wet cough makes more sense to me in the sense of it's a cough that's trying to facilitate the removal of some kind of gunk that's produced by, so, I mean, mucus is basically produced by our immune cells to protect itself from the bacteria. So it's like this whole process of getting the, the, the dead bacteria out of the body is kind of what that wet cough is facilitating. And so when we think about like treating a wet cough, when we want to think about like helping to like thin out the mucus and we actually want more of an expectorant to like kind of like get that out. Uh, the, you know, the dry cough, on the other hand, I actually don't even really, I'm trying to think of like, what is the benefit of a Not dry? Not just me, because I'm like, what is the It's annoying, I know, it's like, really? <laughs> because like, yeah, I mean, there must be some kind of, I mean, obviously there's, something. well, there's obviously some kind of irritant that's bothering the lungs. I think it's much more, almost like more of like a nervous system, like spasm kind of thing. And that's what, that the body's reacting. Now the intelligence behind our body doing that, I'm not, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not so convinced, but it, it's, it's definitely doing. And that's again, where you, like, because you know, classic example would be something like whooping cough mm -hmm. is that kind of like spastic right. uh, cough. And that's where it like, depending if that's where it can, can, can potentially get dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. And that's where you would want something like how I had the, um, that dry cough formula because that's something where you would want it to kind of like, like calm down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What, and then what, what, oh, sorry. Yeah. If there's, I recently heard about vitamin C, high dosage of vitamin C to help, um, what was the word, the expectorant? Like for cough? Oh, uh, mucolytic. Yes. 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 And then that's easy. It makes it easier for the body to right. expose. Specifically, also, you combine it with uh, N acetylcysteine. And a what? Oh, sorry. Oh, NAC. Have you heard of that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Is that what it's called? Oh, yes. Huh. Oh, okay. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, those two combined, they would do oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's another great, uh, great one to have, too. I heard, I recently heard that people, that's not cough in flu season it's not going outside enough season oh, oh like, you're right like you were saying earlier the environment of like having like all the dirt on your hands is actually helping you mm -hmm. so when people are cold and they stay inside and they keep their bodies warm all the time then their their body is working less so it's their immune system goes down and they get sick more often as opposed to like, oh, it's the cold is making somebody sick. Right. I think and there's like different. Is that your 
like what's your what's your i think there's a lot of different aspects of that i mean one if we are sending more inside so we were spending more side with others socializing that can you know passing around the germs uh plus also like the temperature change naturally causes more nasal drip and we're more touching our face so you're having more spread of germs and then also the lower vitamin so i feel like that could definitely there's different a lot of different components yeah this is a different topic i hope you don't be asking but like what's good like just herbs that are generally good for women to take like you know support the whole hormones and yeah, I'm trying to think like what is a good because again that's so specific because we all have different yeah I'm trying to think what would be the best that's actually a really good question I'm trying to think like what would be what does three best things what does spearmint do like what so spearmint is a little bit so yeah so there there was that one study um came from Iran that they use spearmint tea came from where? Iran, where they use spearmint tea for women with PCOS. But some people have kind of come back and they're not sure how accurate that study was. Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was like reported that like, like reduced, I think like testosterone level, like it definitely was like supportive of PCOS, but how accurate that is is yeah i mean it's not harmful i mean you know drink spearmint tea but yeah sorry i thought it might yeah no it's like a trying to think like one herb that every woman yeah, but just like you know, good for your like you know balances your hormones. Make sure you make sure your I mean, if I would say what what herb does your husband want you to have? Right, basically, because at first I was like very tempted to say milk thistle. Oh, that's so funny. Interesting. You were thinking that too. I was also thinking that. Uh, so I'd say most likely milk thistle because we all need liver support. But for anybody who's on birth control. Milk thistle actually can decrease its effectiveness. So I don't know if that so, is a good uh, idea. Where would you get like milk thistle? Right? You take it that I can, you, you're talking about capsules or you're talking mm-hmm. about tea? Is ca- I right. see capsules, I can send you the link. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's pretty, I mean, milk thistle is very, very what, common. What are the cons? I was actually discussing it with somebody once that I, I, I used to take milk, milk thistle regularly. She's like, oh, have you looked into the cons? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. No, so really the only, I mean, there's always potential of allergy. Like any, I mean, there's always a potential that somebody is going to react to something. But but I would say the biggest con definitely is with the birth control thing. And I have seen in my practice. So uh, it's definitely a. (laughs) So, so would it actually, would it like. Which actually though, proves that it was a very high quality product. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what I was going to say. Does it, would it help with someone who has after effects of birth control? Like let's say someone's off of birth control, but they used to take 
Oh, well, that's a whole other story. No, it, um, again, I'm much more talking about like if you're on birth control, okay, so there's a potential it could reduce the effectiveness of it, which again, if you're wanting the effects of birth control, that could be, right. you know, something you didn't expect, didn't plan <laughs> like for. Say, control is not beneficial to the woman's overall system. I mean, there's like, there's even that's a little bit debatable it depends like every depends every which yeah. time, right like there's so many different yeah um can i go back to the cough school? like every single school that my kids go to yeah. there's everyone coughing so i'm like all my kids <laughs> um one of my kids had this like <laughs> but it, like anytime i did like some sort of like trying to get it out of oh my baby i right. try to get it out of here there's nothing here but it was like this like like it's further back and I couldn't figure out even when he was healthy like I couldn't figure out how to get rid of that you know yeah I wonder I mean like okay so so no mucus is coming out like and 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 he's not wheezing they've listened to his lungs it's just like kind of this like frenetic yeah like like it wasn't coming from his mouth it's just when he breathes that's the sound that makes Hmm. Like, where is this? Where's it coming from? Interesting. I don't know if I take antibiotics or like antibiotics. Right. Which is obviously right. not yeah. what I want to go do, but I couldn't figure out where, like. And you don't think he's stuffed up? Is, and Maybe it, I, could, I could, like, do the, like, like, snot sucker thingy mm -hmm. and nothing comes out. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm trying to think. Um and is he in discomfort not particularly but you could is it sounds like though he's struggling to breathe through his nose though yeah yeah so there's got to be something back there that needs right. to come out i just don't know where exactly and how like i for a while i researched all these like massages right that, yeah so i did and i was like massage here and i was kind of um there's like another like i mean i don't like what about like have you done like any kind of like compresses like hot compresses oh, or no, I didn't try that. So there's another like mm, there's some other kind of treat i forget what i'm i mean one of the things i would think about he's too young though would be doing something like nasosympatico but that it's pretty intense where you actually you take um mixture of this oil you actually put q-tips and you go all the way Ooh. yeah i would not do that for Thank you.